Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. As you know, we started our gratitude intervention. We started that a couple weeks ago with with Lauren, she intervened with us and said, whoa, you guys, you guys need to develop some gratitude. You desperately need it. And then Brian came in last week and he talked about rejoicing. And he talked about why we rejoice and what does it look like to rejoice. And so this week we're going to go to our, our next part. And I got to tell you, like four years ago, I desperately needed a gratitude intervention. I was in a rough spot. We'd been through eight years of crisis started with my my wife's father passed away and, and he was a he's an internationally known speaker preacher and so there's literally people all over the world praying for him proclaiming he was going to live and all this stuff and he dies immediately we find out my wife is pregnant so she goes on she goes into this depression so this starts eight years of grief financial strain and just one crisis after the other. And I got to a point where my joy was zapped. And I'm, let me tell you this. I was in full-time ministry. I was doing ministry. I was going out and speaking to other people and helping them get healing in their lives. And they were having breakthrough. And we were hearing testimonies and amazing things were happening. God was moving. But we were struggling. I was struggling. And eventually it got to the point where I said, enough's enough. i got to figure this out. I am not going to live like this. I'm not going to raise my kids like this. I'm not just going to survive. I'm going to thrive. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God, the all-powerful God. And I said, this is it. It stops right here. So let's take a look real quick at our foundation verse, and then we'll jump a little bit further into that. We've been uh, working from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, but I actually am going to start uh, in verse 12 today. Let me see. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would bless your word today. And we submit our hearts to you, Lord. We come to you and we say, Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Show us what's going on in our hearts. I pray that you would help me to communicate this morning, Lord. Let my words be your words. And let our ears be attentive to you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this week we're talking about verse 17. Verse 17 says, pray continually. Short verse, right? So hey, is, if anybody's working on 
um, a memory verse for the week? Here's one for you, right? You can start tomorrow morning. It's Monday morning. You can start off with a big win. You can say, I got my memory verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. And you're starting your week very well with a big victory. So I want you to look at this, though. Right here in this section, we have this little bit of a sandwich going on here. This rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. The little sandwich of three right there. So it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a bologna and mayonnaise sandwich, not quite like an ice cream sandwich, right? It's not like, woo, I can't wait to do all that, right? <laughs> but it's good for you. It's good for you. I don't know if bologna sandwiches are, but... And especially not mayonnaise. Man, that stuff is nasty. <laughs> it's a big argument in our house. But this general setup appears uh, in several others of Paul's letters. This general idea of these three big points. And so it's like, it's like this. So if Paul, if, if you know, if you're a real estate developer in Myrtle Beach and you hand out business cards and your business card says, hey, play in the surf, play in the sand, live in Myrtle Beach. You know, you want everybody to come, right? Well, this is like if Paul, you know, he's handing out his business card. It would say, hey, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. Apostle Paul. And that's be or even better, if he was a graffiti artist, you would see his tag around town. And it would be like, hey, rejoice, give thanks, and pray. And people would be like, oh, that's that dude Paul. Have you seen his work? It's dope, man. It's awesome. It's his identity. It's like his thing because it appears in like five of these letters. Here's a couple of them. I'm going to read a couple of them to you. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Ephesians 5.19 and 20, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Rejoice. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 4, 4 through 8, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we do the three, the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we can develop this habit of the three. And so we went on, you see, I, I reached that, that point where I, I, was, I was tired of it and I'd had enough, but before I got there, and some of you know this story, right? So you, some of you have heard this before. Do me a favor. If you've heard this before, you can check out for a second. Go on Facebook and go to the Seacoast Vineyard page and, and check in. And then give us a five-star rating and tell them how awesome the preacher was. And we'll pick it back up here in a second. But for those of you that don't know, so, so we, got, we got to a point where, where uh, we went through postpartum. Two, two pregnancies, postpartum both times. Those of you who know what that is, know how miserable it is. So we're like on five years of just depression and misery and, and financial just, just barely living. And then finally, my wife discovers that she's eating some foods that are exacerbating the depression. And she quits those foods and I start, she starts coming alive again. 
And I'm like, yes, I'm getting my wife back. This is amazing. For like three months. We're going to move into this house. We find this house. We're excited. And we buy this house. We move into this house. And within two weeks, she's getting sick. And we're like, what's going on? Well, she's pregnant. And it turned out to be nine months of just horrible sickness and pain. She had her gallbladder removed. We nearly lost the baby three times. We nearly lost my wife five times. There was two periods in there where she went for seven days with no food, no water on IV. That was kind of how it was. One time, they had to bring her near death to stop her from delivering the baby too early. That's what happens, I guess. What is it, magnesium? And they put it in, and, and she lost sight and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so that's kind of how things went. So just when we thought we were there. And then the baby comes. And no matter how dark things are, what depression was going on, when babies come, we're grateful. And we were grateful for him because he was a miracle. But there was still this shadow, this haze hanging over our lives and everything we did. And our ability to, ex to rejoice and our ability to experience gratitude was just dulled. Well, 10 days in, we're like, man, why is he projectile vomiting across the room? <laughs> Nasty. And to find out he's got one of the worst cases of reflux the, the pediatrician had seen. So we spend the next nine months sleeping in a recliner holding our baby upright so he can sleep because that's the only way he can sleep. Finally, he grows out of that and we're like, okay, whew, we're on our way. I think it was like a few weeks later, my wife has her first pancreatitis attack. I'm like, what is going on? Here we go again. And let me tell you, through that pregnancy, when that first happened, we we're like, okay, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lay hands on you, and we're going to get through this, and everything's going to get better, and the next, the next seven months are going to be a whole lot better than these first two months. And I prayed for my wife, and I prayed for my wife, and I laid hands on my wife, and I laid hands on my wife, and I laid hands on my wife, and I prayed for my wife, and it kept coming and kept coming and kept coming, and eventually I grew prayer weary. I grew prayer weary. And I still prayed for her. She asked me to pray for her. I'd lay hands on her and I'd pray for her. But my hope, my ability to pray became minimized. My prayers became, God, I just need some help. I just need some help. And we sort of silently decided that she was going to make sure that baby lived and she was going to live through that. I was going to take care of everything else. We were just going to pull through it. We were going to push through it. Because nothing else was happening. God wasn't doing anything. God wasn't moving. So we're going to take care of this. And so, like usual, Sarah and I did everything wrong so you guys don't have to do everything wrong. <laughs> we thought that would be a good thing to do. But what happened, the result of that, is we became me-focused. Only me-focused. And we began to fold in. And we began to fold in. Until eventually, I said, okay, enough is enough. I've got to figure this out. And I preached a message a couple years ago on happiness. That was part of my story on, on what happened. See, a big part of this was, was I figured out that gratitude 
scientifically. I mean, it already told me that in the Word, but I started reading and studying. I figured scientifically gratitude makes you happier. And so I said, okay, I found this practice. Okay, so you write out three things that you're grateful for every day. And then one of those things, you write some bullet points around what happened in that event. You know, because what happens is your brain relives it and it re releases the endorphins and possibly the serotonin, whatever was going on in that situation. And it causes your brain to develop this pattern of, of, of going on and it causes your heart to come alive again. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I wake up my first day and I go, oh man, I, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's just a normal day. I didn't see anything. And then I was like, oh, God, you're going to have, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I can't even think of anything. I think I finally wrote one thing down. I couldn't even think of anything to be grateful for. I was like, Lord, you're going to have to, you're going to have to help. You're going to have to open my eyes so I can see. So I went through that day, and I was, I was determined I was going to find him. I went through that day, and I was like, okay, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to see. Open my eyes to see. I know there's something I can be grateful for. And I began to see these things. Lord began to open my eyes. To things and I began to see and that leads us to our first fill-in. I pray continually that my eyes will be open to gratefulness. I pray continually that my eyes will be open to gratefulness. And just to prove to you that, that this worked, um, oh, oh, by the way, my wife had a few more pancreatitis attacks and one was this last winter, actually two, and we discovered that she was celiac, which is kind of a bummer, but it stopped the pancreatitis attacks, and she's doing much better, and she's, and she's healing now, and we are absolutely grateful for knowing, right? So what happens when you go through all this, though, is we took a bigger hit than we were expecting. We had medical bills, and we had a loss of income. It was just a little bit more than we were ready for. So, um, I'm looking around, I'm like, I don't know, maybe I can deliver pizzas for the summer. Bring in a little extra cash. So just so you know that this worked, I went out and delivered pizzas, and I started delivering pizzas. And if you want to test your gratitude, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to put your gratitude to the test, get a job delivering pizzas. If you want to learn how to pray continually, get a job delivering pizzas. I can't tell you that all your gratitude will come out the right way or that all your prayers will be gracious. I mean, there, you know, there's like, Lord, help this idiot in front of me get out of my way so I can get to where I'm going. Those kind of prayers. Oh, Lord, bless this person that I brought $66.03 worth of pizza to that gave me $66.03. Bless them because they obviously need it. They didn't have anything extra to give me, right? But anyway, but I put it to practice. I did. I put it to practice. I practiced gratitude deeply while delivering pizzas. But this kind of leads us to our next fill-in, right? So I pray continually that my eyes will be open to God. When I'm in those situations, I just need to see God. I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm here in this place, and this is... July 4th traffic is very frustrating. I need to see God. I need to see God. There's a monk. Brian told you last week about the beginning of the monastic movement. I'm going to tell you about a monk. There's a monk named Brother Lawrence. And there's a book 
written of a collection of interviews with him called The Practice of the Presence of God. Because this monk, plain, ordinary old monk, had decided that he was going to be aware of the presence of God always. And here's the book. I recommend that you get it. I read it about 20 years ago, and it revolutionized my walk. Um, and get the one in modern English. I had him post a picture just so you could see. There's one that's not in modern English, and it's difficult. Get the one in modern English and read it. It's a small book. It's a small book, but it's incredible. So this is what it says about Brother Lawrence at one, one passage in the book. Lawrence described himself as a big, awkward fellow who broke everything. When he originally entered the monastery, he thought that he would be made to suffer for his awkwardness and faults. In this way, he hoped to offer his life and all its pleasures as a sacrifice to God. But God had disappointed him. He found nothing but contentment in the monastery. He said that we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually communing with him. It is shameful to abandon this divine communion to occupy our minds with trivial matters. We should feed and nourish our souls with high thoughts of God, which yield us great joy in devotion to him. We should have a sense of God's continual presence by communing with him. How do you commune with God? You pray. You develop a lifestyle of praying continually. We can have a lifestyle that maintains a sense of the presence of God wherever we go. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts. Right? And our third fill-in. I pray continually that my eyes will be open to others. If we look back at our foundation scripture, we can see Paul mention in 1 Thessalonians in 14 through 16, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else, for each other, and for everyone else. Prayer causes us to be mindful of others. When we pray and we rejoice and we are thankful, it causes us to look outside of ourselves. Joshua Kang in the book, uh, The Spirituality of Gratitude, says, to be grateful is to discover so we need to open our eyes to find something for which we can be grateful. When our eyes are open, we become thankful for things we might not otherwise appreciate and for things we previously took for granted. We can actually begin to see the things that we once took for granted. And then we can begin to notice when others don't have them. Things that we don't even think about in the, in the time of day. During our day, we can begin to be grateful and thankful for those things. And we recognize that not everybody has those. See, as an example of this lifestyle, Paul wrote these words in Galatians and 2, 9 and 10. He says, James, Cephas, who's Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, pillars in the church at Jerusalem, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to, to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised or the Jews. 
sharing the good news with the Jews and sharing the good news with the, with the Gentiles, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. The same man who rejoices always prays continually and is grateful. He is eager to remember the poor. And even our very own John Wimber says this. We will never step out of our middle class mindset and do anything for the poor until we've caught God's heart for them. Our actions will change when our heart is changed. And so we see both point two and three in action. When we commune with God, we catch God's heart. We step out of ourselves. Our hearts are changed. And I'm not saying that caring for the poor is the only outcome of that. But it is one outcome of that. When we become a grateful people, this lifestyle. See, this past week, I was busy. I told you I've been delivering pizzas. We also did a trip to Tennessee where it was a kind of a working trip. We were ministering. I preached in a church, then preached all week in an event. Um, we came back. I went right back into delivering pizzas. Um, I got off just in time to help do setup over there. I worked getting things ready, making things happen. I worked IMAG there, um, and I was running short on sleep. It had been, a, 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 you know, just busy, busy time. And I got in the middle of this thing, and I was like, whoa, I was sitting at dinner one night, and I was like, whoa, I'm getting too self-focused here. I keep thinking about the fact that I haven't slept or the fact that I've been working, but I'm not here for that. I'm here to be a blessing to others. I'm here for you to have me do what you will, Lord. What would you have me do? And he showed me a couple that was walking across. We were all eating dinner in this large room. Showed me a couple that was walking across to get something to drink. And it's like, oh, I'm going to go talk to them. So I went over to talk to them, and I'm talking to them. And then I was, we were just enjoying conversation. I found out they were part of the vineyard plant in Rock Hill, South Carolina. They moved down from Ohio, and they were there. And I was like, oh, awesome, South Carolina folks. That's great. And then about that time, I get a phone call from my wife going, hey, Jack has to use the bathroom. You have to take him right now. And so four-year-old emergencies, I had to, because he had to go upstairs, and we had to go a long way, so I, I ran. Uh, I ran and did that. But then I saw them again upstairs. And I just, it, I was like, I'm not finished talking to them. And I just went up to talk to them. And I was like, you know what? It's like, you guys have a gift of kindness. I feel like the Lord is, is showing me that you guys have a gift of kindness. You're not just nice people. You have a powerful gift that affects people's lives. When you look at them in the face and you say words to them and you speak to them, it changes them. It changes their lives. It breaks the power of dark things in their lives. You have a gift of kindness. And their faces lit up. They're like, thank you. Thank you very much. And particularly the wife seemed to be like, ah, yep, that's right. That ministers with me. That ministers with my heart. And then at the end of that meeting that night, I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. I'm already thinking about breakdown and stuff like that. I don't want to go there. I'm here, Lord. I'm here. And he showed me a person that, that I know. And I just went over and I, and I saw them and they were just in their chair. There's other ministry and stuff and prayer going on around and I laid my hand on his shoulder and the Lord showed me a picture for him. And he was like, that's right on. Thank you very much for that. So if we can make a practice of getting out of ourselves 
of rejoicing, of being grateful, of praying continually, we can be a blessing to the world around us, right? Continuing on in our, uh, on down in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 picks up and says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will keep you. The one who is faithful, he will do it. If we invite him in, he will do it. And the scripture says of Jesus. Come on, we're skip. Skip around somewhere? No? No skip? Okay. Um, we are. Scripture says of Jesus that he went away often to pray. And even right up until the end, it says at the Last Supper there with his disciples, the night he was going to be betrayed, that he gave thanks. He broke bread and gave thanks as he was about to enter into this horrendous, horrendous experience of going to the cross. He gave thanks. He went outside of himself and he said, I'm giving it all up for you. For you. And so I want to pray for a couple different people here. One group I want to see. Let's just bow our heads. One group, if you're here and you're like, um, oh, that sounds great, but um, I'm brand new. I don't even know who Jesus is. I've never stepped into this relationship with Jesus, but I want to be a person that thrives. I want to be a person of gratitude. I want to be in relationship with Jesus. If that's you, just show me your hand. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. And the second group is, hey, we all go through those times. We all go through the difficult times. And if I had not had others praying for me, I might not have made it through that time. I might not have made it to the moment where I could say enough is enough. And if you're in that place right now and you're like, I want to have gratitude. I want to have joy. I want to rejoice. I want to be a person that continually communes with God. But I'm in a really tough spot and it's been a long time. Can I see your hand? I want to pray for you right now. And we're going to have some other people come up. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. All right. And here, I'm going to pray for you generally, but I would love if you guys would come up for prayer. I'm going to have a couple of people. Uh, I know Brian's going to be up here. And um, any other, I'm just recruiting today. We don't have anybody assigned. Anybody else who would like to come up and pray, if you're confident enough to pray for some other people, I would like you to come up because even though I'm going to pray generally for these folks, I'd like you to get some prayer from people in your community, from people that we're in touch with. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy as these that have called out to you today that are acknowledging 
I don't want to stay in this place, but I need help. I need help getting out of this place. I thank you for your mercy, Lord, that it would cover them, that your peace that passes all understanding would cover them, that would guard their hearts, it would guard their minds. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.